Hey, hey everyone, welcome to part two of the Corporate Sellouts series. I hope you enjoyed the first one all about yoga and the appropriation of that cultural practice in the United States specifically. And now we move on to Mexican food and what you may consider a Mexican restaurant. Give it a listen, let me know what you think. Leave feedback, comments, concerns at The Observist Podcast on Instagram. And I hope you enjoy. Alrighty, so I have taken a long-winded, I'm going to call it a hiatus. <laughs> um, I did a few episodes at the beginning of quarantine because life was fucking weird. Um, but then I kind of didn't like recording via Zoom, to be honest. It bothered me. Like, you know, just sound in general can get all fucked up. Someone's voice in mid-sentence can turn into a robot and there's not much you can really do about it, which, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But now that we're almost a year in, there's really not much we can do right now. Um, so here we are. And we're talking about a super fun topic. Um, America and honestly, kind of mostly white people fucking shit up and (laughs) (laughs) because at the end of the day like I wanted to make it about America like American corporate life ruining something good and innocent and beautiful um but then kind of the more research I did I was like holy shit I'm just seeing like the same common denominator I'm seeing like it's pretty much always old white dude or maybe even a young white dude but taking something that looks cool or is interesting or is different and just like okay how can I make money off of that and it's kind of like I get it I struggle internally because we live in a capitalist society but I try to put myself personally in a situation and I was like I think I'd be a little pissed off too so I had to do, I interviewed a friend from India. We talked about the uh, yoga culture that the United States specifically has created. And that was really eye-opening and really like, God, this shit's weird. Like we made, it's very culty. Like I feel like in the United States, we turned something like that into a cult when um, where it originated is actually kind of like a Hindu spiritual lifestyle kind of choice that is also very non-judgmental and not based on making money at all. Um, So it was, you know, interesting that we kind of took something like that and monetized it very well. People who start yoga studios, they can make a shit ton of money, maybe not in 2020, but previously, just raking in like 50 bucks a class to just like stretch on the floor in a room with other people. So um, I kind of wanted to do one that I think is very easy to do living in Los Angeles, which is kind of what has happened with Mexican restaurants, Mexican food in particular, um, because food is extremely cultural and it's, it's extremely personal. And I'll go into kind of like, my feelings towards like Peruvian culture and Peruvian food. Cause I, I, I had to try to put myself into someone else's shoes with this like thought I was having in my brain, like would this, something like this bother me. Um, and I kind of came to the conclusion that it would. So I did just like research, initial research 
on a restaurant that I had actually been to in the uh, right, the right by the uh, Beverly Center and stuff on Third Street, I believe. Um, I went there for a friend's birthday. <laughs> and it's this place called Toca Madera. I don't know if you've ever been there, Max. Have you ever been there? No, but I know people that have. And, uh, you know, friend's birthday. Fuck yeah, let's go to this hip-looking little Mexican restaurant. I'm down. Didn't do much, much research into it. I show up, I look at the menu, and I'm like, what? How expensive was it? Uh, the tacos um, range anywhere from $12 to $15 a piece. And uh, so for two tacos, which you have to buy them in twos, which is like funny. They're like, no, you're not going to cheap out and buy one taco from us. So no matter what, it's about $24 for two tacos. And this is the one that's right by the Beverly Grove, I'm assuming. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Um, and I was kind of just like, and I was, I was probably only like 26, 25, something like that. So it's like, I mean, I had a job and I worked, but I was like, dude, um, $24 for two tacos? And also like nothing comes with that. So it was just kind of like, okay um so bare minimum it's like 25 bucks for anything there and then sides it's like 10 bucks for like a side of vegetables and I was like okay um and yeah let me just add on my 16 dollar margarita to that like this is cool and so I was just like dude what the fuck for not like 50 dollars minimum I had like kind of an all right meal but it also I wouldn't even really consider it Mexican food you know what I mean like it just wasn't it, there's just something off inherently about it and I remember I actually texted you that day because some guy from the fucking Dodgers was there on a date and I realized I was like I think it's Chris Taylor is his name oh yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and um and I was like all right if this is where like white boy baseball players go to take their like little girlfriends on dates and I'm kind of like this probably isn't my spot you know what I mean but right. so to that shit it's it's meant to be like super instagrammable once you're in there and it's like it's one of those places you know you kind of go there to take pictures yeah yeah because I wasn't really necessarily impressed by the food itself I was like okay for 50 bucks this was like not really anything I'd brag about uh, if anything, I'm like, oh, God, I never want to go there again. So I was kind of annoyed. And I looked into it, and they're the same people that own that chain, Takaya Organica. And so oh, yeah. I looked into that group. And I pulled up, and I actually want to send, I'm gonna send you, I'm going to drop you this in a little chat link. Um, so I looked them up, and I was just like, okay, like, who are these people? And it's like, their CEO is this like Tosh Berman guy who I think I just briefly looked at his like Wikipedia and I was like, little like Jewish boy from like LA or something that's like, you know, well dressed, very dapper, looks great. But I just thought it was interesting where I'm like, what inspired you to do this? Like it was kind of like you're taking something, watering it down to where it's not very authentic or good food, if we're talking, you know, strictly about food here, and you're just, like, jacking up the price because you have, like, an Instagrammable restaurant, you know what I mean? And it was, like, yeah, something inherently about this really bothers me, and out of curiosity, I googled, like, the Chipotle guy, and I was, like, who the 
fuck is this? Like another just random ass white dude from Indianapolis. And I'm just like, what the, Uh, it's just like these little things where I'm like, what the hell is going on? And so I needed to, to just bring it up. Cause I brought up with another friend whose family is all Mexican. And I think he's, I think his mother's from here, but still just raised very much like in the culture. But he was like, you know what? It's food. It, I almost feel like it's not even ours anymore. It's kind of like his attitude about it. He was like, look, oh, at- that's interesting. Yeah. So I kind of was like, all right, you kind of gave up that not necessarily like a battle, but it's like, you're kind of like, it is what it is. They took it. It's he was like, I feel like eventually the very authentic taco stands are going to end up going away with more people that are just born and raised in the U.S., the culture is going to water down naturally and keep watering down, essentially. So I was kind of curious, like, your perspective on that, because I only want to go to my little taco stand where I know where the chef's from. <laughs> I can see him. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you know he's, you know, Mexican, right? Yeah, and it's like... I know the food's going to be good. I know it's going to be authentic. And I know that they're not going to just like rape my wallet for it. You know what I mean? Of course. 100%. So I was kind of curious just from your perspective, how, how do you view that? How do you view these things? Like the taco, (laughs) well, one best Mexican restaurant in the United States and things of that sort. Yeah. Because they're open till two, no, no, excuse me, four in the morning. And there isn't going to be a taco truck in Lakewood, Ohio, or Indianapolis, Indiana. It, that That's just not what a thing is. What's funny about Indiana, Indiana is it has a very vast Latino population, which I didn't know until I moved to the Midwest and lived in Ohio for six years in Cleveland. I didn't know that either. And when I, I had no idea. And it turns out that a lot of dudes that take there's this place called oh man bakersfield tacos which is a a uh, a chain which is now in cleveland and started in indianapolis was of course a white dude and taking that kind of idea and cuisine and and our food is mexican food is very cheap as someone that grew up with a grandmother that cooked mexican food all the time and a mom that that does her best to do it i love you mom but and you, and you she'll self-admittedly say that i'm not the best at it um <laughs> Which reminds me, my aunt has uh, chicken enchiladas in the fridge and I'm going to fucking pound later. Nice. Um, Christmas is such a best good time to get this food. But I think what it is, is when people like us, and I say this, people like us, like minorities, black businesses, uh, Puerto Rican, Mexican, um, even Chinese or Asian, they, they, the shops and the restaurants that they create out of necessity to live the tailor shops, the the cleaners, the uh, laundromat services, all that stuff. They, it's a necessity for a community to live. You know, growing up in East Los Angeles, you knew everybody who kind of owned the business across the street, and it wasn't because you know it was cool and hip. It was just that they, that's that's their livelihood. You know, these people have to make their own businesses in these in these small communities that aren't you know big corporate things. And over time the corporatization of America, this is what you get. And of course it was going to go with food. And, and the, the group that you mentioned that's based here in West Hollywood, they are all about hospitality and the look and the feel 
you know, and, and to, to feel this Instagrammable perception that you're sitting under this, you know, barked out wood vibe kind of thing. And it, it feels very rustic and it has Edison bulbs hanging down here and the lighting's just right for you and your date to take a fucking uh, Instagram selfie for, you know, for the people out there, you know, when you take your Bumble date out, I guess. And so I just believe that real will always recognize real in food, fashion, art, music. I mean, I work in the music industry um, and it, it's in film and television, all that stuff will recognize real. So you're going to take things in. There, there are people that want to go to the bungalow in Santa Monica and be seen and heard. And there are people that would rather just go to the drawing room in Los Feliz and get drunk off of like $2 shots and sing karaoke badly and have a great time wearing their leather jacket and nothing else. Like that's it. So it, it is, it is too, it, it, it's, it's all about customer service. And normally when you have these high end places, you have a lot of people with money. You have people that are rich or have means they're not necessarily Uber rich, but they have means. And what ends up happening is most of those people, whatever kind of field they work, they don't really have much of a personality or they're trying to figure themselves out. So they read up on stuff that's like hip and cool. And it's kind of what's going on in New York at the same time, which is, you know, most New Yorkers call Manhattan restaurant Island because it new restaurant here and there, it pops up all the time. And obviously COVID has changed a lot of these things, but you're losing a lot of the authentic hole in the wall places and when, what I love about Los Angeles, though, is the West side is super into all that bullshit and the East side is not. The East side, there is a taco stand. There is, you know, places that are coming up that keep the authenticity of the of the area. Highland Park, Echo Park, Silver Lake, Los Feliz, Hollywood, even East Hollywood, Little Armenia, stuff like that, Little Ethiopia. There's great Asian food in Little Ethiopia, by the way. And you just it's just all about choice. We're a country that gives you all this choice. Look at how many streaming fucking channels we have now, right? So it's all about it's all about choice and on-demand stuff. Um, and for me, in my job, what my my job used to be, I take people out. Right now, I can't really be doing that. You know, none of us can because these restaurants are closed. But I can tell when it's we're meeting at like there's a oh what's that vegan place uh, Gracias Madre that's on Melrose yeah. which is vegan vegan tacos right and vegan Mex- Mexican fusion food I guess being Mexican and growing up Mexican there ain't no vegan anything <laughs> it's beans it's lard it's yep. fat it's cheese uh, um, you know it, it's out of necessity to actually just eat you know. But this is what this culture does of the gluten-free, hypersensitive, vegan, this, no meat people and self-health conscious area we live in here in Los Angeles. Um, that, that's what's going to happen because it's going to give people that, that alternative choice. Not saying that Gracias Madre isn't good. I think, it's, I think it's pretty good. But I would rather go someplace and spend $24 on like a meal for my four friends for 24 bucks. And I think the reason that Taco Bell won out because of, uh, you know, restaurants in the United States is people go out and party. There isn't the top, like in LA, you go out and party, there's a taco truck out there waiting for you. Mm-hmm. When you go out and party in, like I said, Lakewood, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, Indianapolis, uh, probably St. Louis, there isn't, you go to Taco Bell. That's all you got. You know, the, the Midwest and, and middle America. Essentially. 
<clears throat> Say that again? Accessibility, basically. Being able to just yeah. instantly. Right. And you waited, you, you know, getting out of bars in Cleveland at the, at the, right at the 2.30 mark, you know, the witching hour, as I called it, you saw the line wrap around that Taco Bell, like constantly. But that's all there is, because they're open late. I flirted with opening a Del Taco in Cleveland. <laughs> because Del Taco, to me, is superior. It's more superior than, than Taco Bell, in my opinion. I can't same. I grew up in a Del Taco family. Like, we didn't fuck with Taco Bell at all. It was like, oh. Right. I didn't start fucking with Taco Bell until I moved to Cleveland. And that's because, you know, in necessity, that's all I had. And finding a Mexican anything in Cle was very difficult. But I did. There's a place called, I want to give a shout out to La Plaza. It's in Lakewood. And it's a Mexican market. I found Menudo finally. I like it. My whole life changed when you know I found that place. And they have a they have a taco stand out in the front, and they make tacos with like the right carne asada, the pollo. Like mm -hmm. it's just this is really legit. And it's not like twenty bucks. It's like four dollars for a taco, which is yeah. and all the toppings and trimmings and all the salsa cart and all that stuff. So, um, so shout out to them and Mexican Coke with the sugar, but. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> but like I think that it, food is one area where we see with Chipotle and Taco Bell and all this stuff. It's it's just taking culture and all that and, and moving it away. Which because like the, you can say the same thing about Popeyes too. Um, yeah, because I I really don't know who owns that. That's um, a good, let's look that shit up. <laughs> yeah, look that up because Popeyes is something that. I, I they think definitely it's advertise themselves a certain way. Uh, Al Copeland, American entrepreneur. He's from New Orleans, <laughs> but he is just another random white guy, it looks like. But yeah, I mean, but that's interesting. So Southern food is something that, I, Southern food wouldn't be owned by a race necessarily. However, me as a white girl, well, Latina, sure, but let's take me at surface level. Me as a white girl, um, opening up a soul food restaurant in like SoCal doesn't really make sense. You know what I mean? And at that point, I'm just like trying. But like, and if I'm going to make some mac and cheese and sell it for $24 a bowl, like it kind of. Yeah, so what, so what, like what's the food. intent? So what's the intent? That's the, that's always the question of anything is why are you doing something? So if the intent is, let's just say, Alex, you're 50% whiteness or whatever, we take that. <laughs> and you know you're like i just love soul food you're like fucking into soul food you're like a soul food connoisseur you know how to make uh grits and 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 color friend of greens and all this stuff you're just so into it you have a passion and you want to open your restaurant on i don't know melrose and la brea you just want to open it like whatever right that's one way of doing it but the other is why don't the other intent is why don't I take this culture appropriate it to my needs and build this super hipster, rustic, fucking yuppie environment so mm -hmm. that really well-off, boring people feel comfortable, you know? Exactly, yeah. That's kind of that's how it is. That's, that's the intent. Like if you, Alex Cumby one day, or just let's go basic white girl, let's call her Jess for for shit's sake. She just <laughs> loves soul food and she opens the one of the best soul food places in downtown LA and 
you know, she hires African-American people to, to run everything and do that. But she's just, she has a passion for soul food, you know, like she, that she's a cook, she's a chef. Like you want to eat her food. That's, that's different. Right. But most of these groups and most of these restauranteurs, I look at them, I look at them, the group that you mentioned, and like, I look at them as the same as like guys that make clubs, guys that build clubs. It actually looks like. (laughs) Because that's what they want to do. Yeah. And they want, they have investors and they're running a restaurant and they're doing all this stuff. But it's like, when I go to neighborhood restaurants that a few of my friends in town own, they own those restaurants. They're there every day Mm -hmm. and they're doing the books and they're working with their employees. And it's just, they love owning a restaurant. And unfortunately they're suffering right now. And I try my best to order from them as best I can. But um, that's the intent. It's like the intent of you writing a book or making a TV show or making a movie or making some music, what's the intent? Is your intent to exploit or your intent to bring joy is kind of the 50-50, you know? Right, Um, and I feel like I see with a lot of these big chains and organizations or these groups, it's, I feel like it's just, let's just make money. It's like, let's just make a really pretty, sell tacos for a ridiculous amount of money and then have it just be pretty enough. So like a baseball player want to take his girlfriend so she can take pictures. You know what I mean? Like there's no intent of sharing an experience or good food, like a genuine cultural experience. And so I actually wanted to bring this up too. Um, that other friend I was talking about with the, on this topic, he was like, well, I have kind of a pricey Mexican restaurant that I really like going to. And he was like, who knows who actually owns that restaurant? And he brought up this restaurant called Mercado, which I actually have been to before. They have a location in Pasadena and I forgot where else, but I looked up Mercado and it's like started by a guy named Jesse Gomez and Jose Acevedo. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, and it's legit. I actually like Mercado a lot. Your your taste buds like took you to the right spot. And he was like, yeah, it's kind of ironic actually that like without even knowing it, like my favorite, if I want like a nice Mexican meal, like a little more upscale, like I'll go to Mercado because I, re- I just really like them. And I was like, your, your inherent <laughs> taste buds like took you to this restaurant um, that you didn't even know who the actual owners were. But it's like these two guys that are actually bringing authenticity, I think, to the table. And so I do think it's like, it's one. And another, another question I was kind of wondering. So one, yeah, it's intent. It's how the authenticity and the intent behind it. Um, but then one thing I'm thinking, okay, like let's say we all love Mercado. That's our favorite Mexican restaurant. But we find out that it's like, you know, some little blonde white girl that's like, yay, you just wanted to start a Mexican restaurant. Are you going to then not like them? Or is the fact that maybe this random white person that opened up this Mexican restaurant, if they're doing a good job and pulling it off, and you don't feel ripped off when you go eat there, then is it all right? I think that's fine. Like I said, it's about the intent. Like if she's killing it and the food's really good, like your chef, like I, I actually bring up the example of like Nobu, for example, right? Like Nobu, like that's like that's like Nobu Matushia, Matushisa, I think how you say his name, Mat- Matsuisa. Matsuisa, I think. I don't want to butcher his name. Yeah, Matsuhisa. Damn, that's about Is that how you say it? Matsuhisa. Matsuhisa. But it's it's, it's a legit guy who's a celebrity chef and he's really good. 
And I've been there, I've been to the one in, in New York. I think Robert De Niro has a piece of it or something as an investor because he loves his sushi. I think that's great, you know? But I don't, it's really hard for me sometimes. And I brought this up a lot in Cleveland, by the way. It's hard for me to be at a taco joint and it's nothing but like people that look like they're white, white cracked out meth heads in the back <laughs> making my tacos. Like, and to believe that it's actually good. And it really is just mediocre as fuck. Um, and most of these places like a Nobu or like, or like a Roscoe's chicken and waffles or something like that, they have people, the people that are there are the people that make the food that are great. Of the culture, and, yes. Of the culture. And if you're someone that's, that's, that's Mexican or Japanese or Chinese or Thai, whatever, and you take your cuisine and make it something super hipster and, and cool and, and, but you're like the chef, you're like a celebrity chef. That's, that's okay to me because that's you, that's not, um, I don't know, that, that's not exploiting it. And you should know better as a consumer. You should know what real authentic food from that region should taste like. And if it doesn't, you go find it. And this is one of my favorite things about New York is New York City from the pizza to the Thai food, to the Chinese food, to the, the, the sushi, to the Puerto Rican cuisine, to the Cuban cuisine, cuisine that, I, that I tried when I was in New York that I'd never been. And it's Jamaican cuisine. I've never had Jamaican food in my life. And I was in Queens and I stopped on this place that was called Veggie Castle Number no. 2, by the way. <laughs> so fucking bomb. And it was so good, but made by Jamaicans for Jamaicans. Like, it was just so bomb. And that's good. But that's that's what you want to be trying out. And there's no frills like that. It's, everything's old 1970s wallpaper or whatever. And you go up to the, the guy mm-hmm. and talk to him. But man, that's like the best food. Italian food. Frank. It's in uh, St. Mark's. Um, Lower East Side. So, it, and they, and they cash only, there's only five tables in there. So it's like, really, you have to, there's no reservations and she, Mama Frank makes the, the pasta the day of, like, it's, it's legit. Ooh, God, and I'm that's, sorry. but that to me is so authentic. And that's one of the things that I love about New York is that those little hole in the wall places will exist and they, they hopefully will survive this pandemic. And that's what it's about. They also have some of the best bars I've ever been to in my life and the best conversations, interactions with people I've ever had. <laughs> um, it, New York has always treated me very, very nice. LA is a little different because it's spread out and you have to drive and you have ballet car parking. And um, there's a whole kind of, there's a rating on parking on half the shit we do or yep. maybe 75% of it. Is parking easy? Is parking hard? Is there a valet there? How much is valet? Is it too much? Blah, 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 blah. Before you even get in the restaurant, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that that's something that we struggle with just because of the way our, our geography is. Um, but to me, I'd rather, you know, if I want really, really good Mexican food, it's normally a taco stand or like Ray's in downtown. And there's a Ray's Tapayac in, in Azusa on Azusa Avenue. Mm. That's really good that his brother started. Um, but like those, th- that's where I'll go. Or if I want really good Chinese food, there's like there's some bomb Chinese food places around. But yeah, those types of restaurants that you're mentioning with the group, and there's a place like right when I used to live in Playa del Rey that became like this like surf and turf spot, and it's got margaritas which are great and it's fun. But there's like guacamole crap and all. It's just not good, but it's expensive. It's right on Manchester. By the Bank of America, people know the area of Playa del Rey. Um, 
and it's like right off of Lincoln to Manchester. It's like you can't miss it. Okay, uh, what that is? Super mediocre, but I was drunk and had a good time. Like whatever, you know. <laughs> I, I just I just think that that's like, and I was looking for food before me and Derek boarded a flight to Nashville. So that was it. You just need something to like get in your body and yeah. Yeah, so I think that it's interesting stuff when, like, everything in our culture, the United States culture, borrows from other people's original cultures. Mm-hmm. But I think going with intent as someone that's going there new, like, going to get real Chinese food with, like, duck legs and stuff like that, you you have to be open to that. And I'm always game for that. I'm like, I'm going to try it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to try all this stuff and then see if I like it. And if I at least I'll have an opinion of it, you know? Um, but some people that come here from so many different places in Los Angeles, you know, I, I still stay to, I stick to this, like nobody's business. The best Mexican food is in East LA Boyle Heights area. That's the best Mexican food you're going to get in this city. Um, and anything West side of that, that isn't a hole in the wall is just probably bullshit, you know? (laughs) So So that's my opinion. (laughs) These, these big groups and whatnot, that are clearly not, you know, it's not the intent to like share unique flavors and culture. It's to look cool and feel cool and drop way too much money on something that just isn't worth it. Um, would you say that it it waters down things? Does it bastardize something that's, that's beautiful and great? Or it kind of sounds like you're saying, well, if you want something authentic, you just have to go find it. And those authentic places aren't gonna go away you just have to seek them out. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think that I think that in everything. I mean, you know me well with movies and television shows and music and and any sort of thing that is your taste. You first you have to find your taste. You know, um, someone the other day called my music taste sad bastard music, and I was like, fuck yeah. Uh, yes, I love that. I was like a hundred percent. You need a t-shirt that just says sad bastard. <laughs> yeah, like if I opened a record store, it'd be like Max's sad bastard bin or something like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> but that's my taste. Like, I mean, I I really, really love that kind of music and you can only guess what falls in there. And actually a lot of stuff does. <laughs> um, and for film and television, I just, I want there to be some sort of authenticity for it. And I think that's why I really have a, a strong connection with New York because New Yorkers are who they are and they will they will fuck you up if you talk shit like real new yorkers um they're fun they're great to have a conversation with and hang out with because they, they always get this bum rap they're rude and actually they're just straight up and it's forward yeah 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 and so that's always been my thing about new york and kids from los angeles were getting more and more rare because we're moving to different places like phoenix and stuff but kids from Los Angeles are, they have, they're being pulled in so many different directions. And because there's so, there literally is everything to do here. The beach, the mountains, the uh, skateboarding, golfing, whatever you want to do, you could do it in the Los Angeles basin. You can. And mm-hmm. I think that's really hard because you kind of get this entitlement and you get this gross, like, uh, everything is, is available to you kind of thing. Everything should be available. Yeah. Or everything should be. And then you're, and it gets, you know, then you have to kind of really figure out who you are. And I think that's with everything. You have to figure out what your, what your taste is. And some people like to be dragged by lists 
around town and some people you know they they look on like instagram for the hot spots and who's hanging out where and how many people they get and how many ratings they do yep um and that and that's on that's that's just their idea you know it's like i i do read and look up stuff for music and movies and stuff but i i make my own little idea of what it's supposed to be or how i'm supposed to feel about it and food is very very um I think food is a very intimate thing. I think your taste is a very important thing of what you put into your body. And also going to a restaurant, going to hang out with people, environment is important. When we, when we eventually get back to that, it's, you know, hopefully it'll be packed. But there are times when I, there are places that I feel like the ambiance is better than the food. And, and that's kind of what I feel like about this this one place. I was like, all right, it's cool and cute in here, but like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I couldn't even tell you. I know I ordered tacos, couldn't even tell you what the fuck they were like because it was that not impressive. So I, it was it was basic, if that. Yes, one hundred percent, just basic. And I like I don't mind shelling out good money for a good meal. But like, that was just like, why, why are we here? Just so you can Instagram it? Like, it was just, it was just kind of like a ugh feeling. So yeah, and, then, and that's, that's the thing. You do you do things to want to be seen. And trust me, I like documenting my life a little bit on Instagram as best I can. But I don't go there for like, the idea of like, if I like a place, I will shout it out on Instagram. Like, I will, I will shout from the Absolutely. rooftops. And they also say, like, I've heard mar- market segmenters tell me that Latinos are the most brand loyalist people ever. Like, my mom will only buy Swift for this. My mom will only buy a certain brand. And I'm the same way. Like, I will only buy, like, Myers this and Myers that. So <laughs> when this market segment study guy came into my old job at the Rock Roll Hall of Fame and explained that, he was just like, these are the demographics and these are the oddest things. Caucasian and white people in the segment spread were all over the place. They were like mighty motherfuckers. They were like, so like he, he called them the pickiest people. Um, and also like he had this thing that he was telling me about target moms and target moms. If you know, you're doing well, you put your product out on the aisles uh, before you check out. And if they just, without even looking, put it in their cart, you're, you're doing well. Um, like yeah. Adele, or like a Taylor Swift album, or like that random movie that came out last summer that nobody cares about, just boop, in the cart. If you're, if you're killing it with the Target moms, you're doing really, really well. So it was interesting to read that segmentation study because you know we're trying to do our best to study people and you know Instagram follows you and Facebook follows you and sees what you like and which I kind of prefer. I wish if I uh, commercials would actually like Hulu would talk to me and be like, Hey Max, you've been golfing a lot. You want to try it? No, it keeps giving me like menopause ads. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. Right. Fucking, weird. fucking Hulu. Get your shit together. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it, to me, it's, it's what you like. You have to know what you like. You have to like what you know, and you'll get older and it'll get better in your wardrobe. Peter <laughs> so I have kind of a, a random side note question. Well, along the same vein, obviously, but um, someone tried to, someone tried to like get Trader Joe's on cancel culture because you know how they, for different cultural foods, they'll do like 
Trader Jose's for their burritos. And- yeah, yeah. Trader okay. Ming's. Trader Ming's for the Chinese yeah. food. So, does something like that, does it ever bother you? Or do you think, like, hey, that's actually kind of like an acknowledgement. It's kind of funny. Like, I think it's cute. I think, it, to me, that's cute. I've been one person constantly that I know this big thing came out, especially living in, in Cleveland and the Indians thing that's changed with the name. Uh, my buddy is from D.C. He's a huge Washington football team fan because they're no longer the Redskins. Um, but, man, if there was, like, the L.A. Sombreros or L.A. Vatos, like, I'm, I'm down. Like, I'm really 100% behind that. Also, one thing, the best example I use is Speedy Gonzalez. When I was growing up and watching cartoons, Speedy Gonzalez was cool. He was a thing. And what I remember what I took most of it from it wasn't that we were being mocked or made fun of, but we were showing our culture to other people. The other thing that was cool about Speedy Gonzalez was that he was always taking food from like white loser people and giving them to his fellow Mexican mice and having parties and fiestas. He was Robin Hood. Sounds like a cool guy. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you know, white people just take it and run with it. Woke white girl number 475 takes it, runs with it and goes to Warner Brothers and they pull all of that. And to me, you're, you're showing somebody that represents my culture. That's a hero. I think that's super cool. And now it's offensive, but it's offensive to white people, which is a lot of this. From what I've seen over the last five years, it's not really the culture coming back at things it's really just woke white people in media that are that are taking things back or taking things away and i think the thing that's kind of annoying and um i i was i think it was in one of michelle obama's podcast episodes and they said it really well um it's that if I wanted to, like, let's say I started this crazy thing about Aunt Jemima and I was like, fuck this, it's racist. I go on every platform I can. I get myself on fucking ABC7, like whatever, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> to like lead this charge. Um, one thing that I've heard said from like aforementioned cultural groups is like, you don't need to speak for us we're already trying to win this fight for ourselves, but where you can help and where we don't get enough support is you elevating our voices in that kind of not taking it and trying to lead the charge as if you're saving everybody, but you elevating the movements that are already happening, um, supporting the movements that are already uprising because it's like, if you're now trying to become the hero saying that like, I got this changed or I did this for you kind of thing, like I'm fighting your fight. It's, it's almost more insulting because then it's like, so when did media and when did people respond when a target mom complained, you know what I mean? Right. Someone who's actually from that culture, actually from that group that's targeted or being treated unfairly not when they tried to make a statement or not when they tried to make change. It's when the target mom tries to make a change and makes a big stink out of everything. That's when people will listen. And that's kind of the unfortunate part. Yeah. There was a great meme that I saw because that, that Jordan thing from uh, the last dance has become a meme where it's like, and I, and I took it personally. 
because Jordan took everything personally, which is why he was amazing. Um, but it was like me, me from the Mexican culture says a, a racist joke. My black friend also tells me a racist joke. We laugh together, white girl in the group. And then it shows Michael Jordan. And I took it personally. <laughs> I have been in so many of these conversations with my friends and we have somebody that's that's just white and whatever. And man, I'll it's like, you think that's bad. Let me take you to East Los and let's have a conversation there with my homies and let's see how you really feel. Or let's go down to Inglewood or Compton um, mm-hmm. and, and have a conversation at like a good a good barbershop or something like that, you know, like uh, a good chicken and grits place, man. I mean, there's, there's some places that are really good down on Inglewood Boulevard, by the way, that have a great food, but great conversation and people like to talk and they sprout the craziest ideas, but man, you laugh and it's funny. But have we taken white girl that, that her parents pay for her two bedroom in Santa Monica and we've taken her down there? No, she won't go. She won't venture down there. That's not, no. that's not a case. That's know? scary. <laughs> yeah, ew, that's not my, that's not my Illinois suburb. Oh God, yeah. Cal- California is all about Santa Monica and the coast, you know, that's <laughs> Los Angeles, that's what it's all about. But, you know, Black Lives Matter and uh, free people and don't be mean and like that. It's like, you won't, but you yeah. won't. You'll, you'll go to that restaurant, Instagram yourself, that hipster restaurant. and Exactly. But you won't go down to like that one of my favorite Mexican restaurants in LA is off of Prairie and 111th. You won't go down there. You won't go down. It's not Instagrammable enough. And they also oh, have, yeah. they also have the stories are on. The stories are on the TV, man. And like you're you're just there having great food, and all of a sudden you're just like, yo voy a matar. You know how the drums come in on the fucking stories on the novelas, man. Like, yeah. It's so fun. I'm just like eating my. I'm like, oh shit, man, you're gonna kill that bitch. Like that's cool. Like that's. Yeah, that's awesome, actually. Okay, um, so uh, so one thing, so this is kind of like one question I kind of wanted to ask everybody on this topic. Um, do you think, like, if, like, let's say we were to travel with, you know, someone straight from fucking name a place in Mexico, bring them to LA, um, and we take them to a restaurant like this, and it's, ridiculous amount of money and, and yeah i'm sure if you were to do that conversion um into like pesos it would be even more ridiculous right um and do you think that person would go holy shit i wish i would have thought of this and just sold expensive ass tacos to dumb ignorant people um to make a ton of money or do you think that they would take that notion look at this as a business model and be like I feel like I'm robbing people and lying. Like, do you think they're like, damn, I kind of wish I would have thought of this first just to make a bunch of money? Or do you think they'd be like, no, I'd, I'd rather just stick with my tacos at a reasonable, reasonable price and uh, treat things appropriately? I would think similar to how my mom reacted when she landed in Cleveland to visit me once. She's like, man, I can make a killing making basole and menudo and everything. She's like, I'd kill it. We, she's like, I just need to open a fucking truck and I'd kill it. <laughs> I think I think that's what makes America great, right? I think that's mm-hmm. what makes America good for some for for people that come over from Mexico and stuff and or a- Asia countries or wherever all over the world. People come here for a better opportunity of life because you can be a self-made person. You know, you could 
one of my cleaners guys in um in cleveland actually was from oh my god serbia i believe okay um, and he best advice some of the best advice best conversations i ever had when he pressed my sh- like he was just so cool but he was a self-made guy i mean he came over there and his grandmother you know worked in as like the accountant and did all that stuff and that's what america is i mean that, that you go down to a lot of liquor stores and and hole in the wall shops and things like that like i was saying in the beginning it's we do it out of necessity to to make it as a dream. I mean, you can do all that in Mexico and earn like ten pesos a day, and that's it. You do that here, you could you could be that one liquor store on the corner that everybody goes to. You can be that one uh, taqueria that everyone goes to, and and you could be featured in the LA Times, and all of a sudden you're you're hitting it big, and there's a line outside your door, you know, or like your friend has a taco truck and it's popular and people hear about it and word of mouth and it becomes a thing like that doesn't happen in other parts of the world, unfortunately. And so that's the consumerism capitalistic society we live in here in the U S and I think that's where people see their dreams come true. You know, that's, that's the point. My whole thing is just be aware of where things come from and be respectful and, 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 and enjoy it. And that's kind of my thing. That's, that's how I always feel. I'm, I'm, you never appreciate the differences around you. Appreciate why certain cultures are different. Laugh about it, make a joke about it, have fun about it. Because I think that, that we're losing a lot of that. And when I was, it's just, it's just funny to me because I can say so many of the things that of my culture that makes me laugh or like myself, like my biggest joke is I wrap everything in a tortilla. <laughs> Cause I do, I just do. <laughs> and I, but what's funny is like, if someone were ever to be like, Oh, Hey, beaner, I'd be like, actually beans don't sit well in my tummy. <laughs> like I'm not good with the lentils. <laughs> but that, but that's, oh my God. that's funny to me. Um, yeah. And I think that that's just something as people, we need to just kind of be Straightforward with ourselves, but appreciate the fact that we are different. That's what makes it unique and exciting. Mm-hmm. Like I had no idea my friend was taking me to this Jamaican, not even a restaurant, a Jamaican shop, mm-hmm. and it was really bomb vegetables because um, it was like vegetarian, and it was just so weird. But it was like, this is cool. This is an experience that I wouldn't have received from, you know, a mag, an Instagram post or something, right? <laughs> yeah, I never would have known about this. this is someone you just have to explore. And I know you you did a lot of that when you were in San Francisco and, mm-hmm. you know, you get lost in the city. And I think that's what's really hard about LA is it's so spread out. You spend most of your time in your car. You don't really walk the streets. So you, right. you don't get that community vibe sometimes. But Yeah, it kind of depends on where, you're, where you live. like Which bubble you're in, yeah. Yeah, which bubble you're in. Yeah, it's true. Um, I tried to, like, put myself in that perspective, because I try to think of like Peruvian food. What if someone opened up this fucking dude? What if he started a whole other group that was like, hey, let's start a chain of like fancy ass Peruvian restaurants, um, put them all in like ridiculously fancy looking buildings and just charge stupid amounts of money for it and whatever. I feel like I'd probably hate it and I'd be really upset by it. <laughs> and, and I think it, it really goes back to like the intent where it's like, okay, let's say it was super high end and pretty expensive, but 
if it were legit, like if it were the best proven food I could find in California or in the U.S., I guess, like, then I wouldn't hate on it. I'd probably make it a special trip every year to go there, spend a ton of money, but eat really good food. So I guess it's like, I always get excited by, like, there's this one place, um, not too far, it's in Lomita, um, and it's Peruvian and Japanese food, because, like, not that many people know, there's a shit ton of Japanese people that immigrated to Peru, and so sushi food, like, a ton of that is there, and I remember my friend, my good friend, bringing me to this place for the first time years ago, and... They have, you know, it's almost like a Japanese restaurant where they have a little sushi bar and then the tables, like, you know, on the other side. And these sushi chefs, like these Asian dudes, are like speaking to their customers in Spanish, like while rolling sushi. And I was like, this is so fucking cool. Like, I was like so stoked. And it's just this like little random ass spot in Lomita, California, which like not it doesn't make headlines anywhere. And it was just like, it was so cool. And I was like, they have the traditional Peruvian drinks and beers. And I was like, this is, this is dope. And it's like, they're not just trying to rack up prices to make money. Um, but it's funny because years later, after having really good success at that location, they opened up this little bougie location in Manhattan beach. Ooh. It, they totally like charge more money there. So I think it's funny. Like I know that I'm going to go to the original location not the bougie ass one in Manhattan beach, but I just think it's funny that they were like, you know what? We can open up another location, but since it's Manhattan, like we're just going to be more expensive. <laughs> well, the lease is probably expensive to keep and maintain. So you have to adjust, right? So you gotta, you gotta like upcharge a little bit, but like, I just thought it was really funny. And in a way I'm kind of like, you know what? Like you go. Cause I know where, I know where the spot is. Like I know where I'm going to go into your random little spot in a shopping center in Lomita. So it's like, I'm not going to go waste my time at the Manhattan Beach one, like <laughs> legit one, you know? Um, but yeah, it was just like, I think if I were to walk into this like new fancy Peruvian place, um, you know, in Beverly Wood or something, and it's like super expensive and I get like a plate of food and I'm like, man, dude, like it's twice as expensive as anywhere else would be. And it's not hitting home. Like I'm not eating this being like, damn, this is pretty good. And eating this being like, really? <laughs> like that would be a huge disappointment. And me and my family would probably trash that name to anyone who asked us about it. And we'd be like, don't go there, go to this other spot instead. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. hundred percent. So it's, so it's like, I, I think I tried to put myself in those shoes and I know like Peruvian food, it's, it's not like Mexican food in LA where it's every corner you got. Right, 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 right. Um, so it is, you know, harder to find something like that hasn't been corporatized. You know what I mean? It was such a niche thing, you know, it is. But another thing that's funny along that vein is I watched a little documentary about people that are getting super into doing ayahuasca, which is a big Peruvian thing to do. So, huh. You know what ayahuasca is? It's like a psychedelic. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So this one girl I knew went to some ayahuasca camp I guess you would call it in like Palm Springs and I was kind of like yeah. mm. like I thought about it and I was like I would totally be down to try ayahuasca it's like you know the hallucinogen of my people but I'm gonna do it like 
in the Andes mountains, like with a shaman, like I'm not going to do it off the 210 freeway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It just, it feels weird. Like, I don't know. So that's your yoga thing. It's the same thing, right? (laughs) It's back to yoga and appropriation of that culture's entire religious practice you know yeah it's like it's just something about that made me feel weird and then it made me think like i hope these dumb white people are like okay out there like you know all these kids are like just into like shrooming and stuff or like go to like the desert and do smile and it's like i hope it's like legit or i hope it's not you know what i mean like i it's it just kind of like worried i had like a mom feeling i was like but for me you what have to it? pay for that, I'm assuming. Like, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up the ass, maybe. Like, anything yeah. that is, like, my old roommate did this thing where he went to go take, like, frog poison, pretty much, <laughs> with, like, a group of people in Culver City or some shit. And, like, you, it's, like, a retreat, and you spend, like, a day or two. If you have to do that and pay money for that, dude, I'd rather just go camping and have a vision quest with shrooms and Joshua Tree or something. Like, just yeah. do that. There's no reason, but that's that's the corporatized mm-hmm. idea of it. And I'm sure the person that runs that whole little retreat camp is like, very zen with yourself and blah, 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 bullshit, <laughs> bullshit, bullshit, yak, 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 because you can't figure your own fucking life out. Exactly, yeah. So, but that's 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 what it is. That's life. That's life from, from food to art to anything else. It's, it's all about you and what you like and what you're willing to do and like... I don't know. I have I ever had Peruvian food. I think I've had a chicharron before, but that's about it. <laughs> Dude, we will, we will. Uh, I will bring you to uh, some good, some good spots. They're few and far between, which like is kind of annoying. Um, but uh, but it's fucking great when you find when you find the good shit. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think I think it's basically like it comes down to intent. It comes down to, are you even pulling it off? Because I mean, it's like, I could start, we can go back to the soul food reference. I could start a soul food restaurant, but I'm gonna hire like a team of people that like were born and raised in that culture. Or like, I would I would want them to actually lead everything. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just gonna hire you people and you make awesome food and I could just give you a building to do it in. But I would- Unless you make it, unless you're really good at making it though. You I wouldn't be it. like, hello, I am paving the way for soul food in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? Like, that's just like a weird, it's like a- well, well, you never know. What if you became like, or even take soul food away. What if you like just made legit authentic Chinese food? You got super into the cuisine. And even staking that, like if if someone was featured on like LA Eater or like LA Times article, and it's like Alex Cumby, random chick from San Dimas, makes best Chinese food in LA, and you're like, what? I'm gonna read this article, and you're there every day sweating with in the kitchen with your mm-hmm. your sous chefs, and you're making like really good authentic Chinese food, and you also have a cool spot to hang out in props to you yeah that's my whole thing You're doing the work but what what i what everything that i've noticed with places like that that are hipster and stupid they that their food's not that good yeah it's usually not it's the ambiance it's never the food's never it's really rare it's rare for me to find most of it's american cuisine actually it's steak and potatoes and stuff 
where ambiance and food really do come together, that's usually where I find it. Or like a really good United, uh, Italian restaurant that has a vibe mm. or something like that, mm -hmm. but has like a star chef in it. But most of these places that are up and down Beverly Wood and West Hollywood and uh, Santa Monica and stuff, they're, 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 that are trying to be some sort of thing, they're not, they're not really that good. Yeah, they go more for like just decor. Like I feel like it's all about decor. Like it's funny, I went to two really good, well, one was supposed to be a really good French restaurant. I think it was like $112 a plate or $120 a plate in New York, in Manhattan, like in the heart. And it was okay. Like I was like, oh, I paid for the maitre d' and the ambiance and the da and the whatever. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I got out of a show there's a, a year or so later got out of a show and like everything's really crowded in times square and like whatever but i was like oh, i'm gonna walk back to my cousins anyway there's a, a french restaurant like right across the street you gotta go on downstairs and stuff and i spent for the both of us 200 bucks but i had appetizers food and i ate the best like duck was it duck confit or whatever it is like duck i've ever had and mm -hmm. They gave me wine and they were talking to me and like they were asking me questions and i felt like i was like there was no pomp and circumstance or have to be in a suit or shirt and tie and all this shit like it was just here's our french food hey dude you coming in here and i was like dude just guide me through the menu i don't know what i want like mm -hmm. me. and he was like what do you like and that was that and that's that's how you have to be with i, I, I that was a better experience than yeah the other the other place felt really uptight and it felt like bougie because it was supposed to be and everything was had presentation, but the food was actually okay. But this place, like they were just drunk French dudes giving me food <laughs> and they were getting me drunk and I was also eating, but we were having a blast and laughing and talking about stuff. And it I was just imagine like French chefs, like with a cigarette in one hand, like flipping shit. Completely. A hundred percent. Yes. A hundred percent. Guy, guys smoking in the back. I could smell it. And I was like, we were at the booth right next to the kitchen. And then the bar guy's like, he's like, he's like, oh, I'll charge you like two glasses for one bottle. So he, he gave me like hook. Cause there was like nobody in the restaurant or whatever. Yeah. Like, it was late. They were just closing. I was apologizing profusely, but they were like, no, no, no. Stay talking to me and stuff. And then you could tell his family was in the other booth waiting for him to get off of work. Like that to me is real. That to me mm -hmm. is authentic. And the food was actually better. Yeah. So that, that to me should show anybody that it's that, that you're paying for the ambiance a lot of the time and you're not really paying for what you're there for, which is food, you know? Yeah, and no matter what they, like, kind of plants they have hanging on the wall, it doesn't make the food taste better. <laughs> 120%, yes, that's correct. Uh, all right, well, uh, so next on our docket, I'm going to be taking you to get Peruvian food, and then you're going to also take me to your favorite Mexican spot, so... <laughs> I know. Hopefully they're open. So shit, right? Support your local goddamn businesses. There's a few East LA places that are open uh, for outdoor pickups, so we could do it. We'll figure it out next 2021. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. For the next four days, five days until it's 20 until 2020 is over, I'm gonna be staying in my apartment and probably not talking to anybody. I just need to get out of 2020. You know what I mean? I just want to make it out of here. You're almost there almost well thank you uh, thank you for joining me and let's go get some authentic cultural ass food sounds good to me all right maxi poo i'll talk to you later bye alex i love you bye, bye.
thank you for tuning in to part two of Corporate Sellouts. If you would like to leave any commentary, suggestions, even if you want to tell me that you hate everything, um, please go ahead and do so. Message us at The Observist Podcast on Instagram and let us know how you feel. Thank you. Thank you.